I'm Darren Garrahy and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at, to the moment where if they didn't laugh, they'd cry. You spend three or four hours with them in one period of time. Yeah. And Jess comes home and I'm spiralling him <laughs> through the window back <laughs> into her arms. Yes, legend of Irish rugby, Rob Carney joins me this week. Now, it goes without saying, for the past few weeks, we've had dreams of celebrating an Irish World Cup victory with Rob in studio. Those dreams were shattered. But that's not Rob's fault. He smashed it with his TV coverage. Go, Rob! He chatted to me about dealing with bullying in national school, surviving two weeks of quarantine in Australia with his lovely wife, Jess. And Rob gives us the boldest last laugh we've ever had. This season of The Last of Your Life is sponsored by FNF Clothing, available at Tesco. Style to help real people feel great. Now, sound the November klaxon, please. There it is. That indeed is the November klaxon, which can, of course, only mean one thing. With the power vested in me, I hereby declare party season is open! What a time, the most wonderful time of the year. Now, naturally, party season requires party attire, which is why I'm so delighted to tell you that the latest collection of the FNF Edit has a perfect mix of fashion and function for all your party needs. They've made it easy to shop luxuries for less this Christmas. They've got some stunning standout sequins and timeless festive textures. Let the games begin. FNF makes fashion sense. Available at Tesco. And now for my chat with Rob Carney. I hope you enjoy. Rob Carney, you are extremely welcome to the Laughs of Your Life podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm a little nervous, but... Don't be nervous. Tell the truth. Have you ever listened to an episode? Uh, no. Ah, Oh, Rob. sorry. Actually, no, that's a lie. Uh, I didn't listen to a full episode, but there was snippets of Michal Mark on it once. Was yes. That? Yeah, so I did... I take that back. God, that's a very mature one to have listened to. Well, that's that's me doing, you know, <laughs> all, all maturity. I'm I so... It popped up somewhere and I enjoyed it. Good, good. I'm delighted to hear it. Rob, we were due to do this last week and I had a mishap where I got a flat tire in Cork. I wanted to go through the official professional avenues of producer Paddy getting in touch with you, letting you know. But Donica loved the situation and decided to do a video and send it directly to you and just laugh at me and, and at two, you. There was two things with that. A, <laughs> you really should have gone through my people. That's that's honestly how I like to operate. And B, there was a learner driver sign in your car and you tried to blame somebody else for that. Okay, so my boyfriend so, Mark. Two black marks. <laughs> my boyfriend Mark, who actually DM'd you first and asked you, would you do this week? So you, okay, let's go back a little bit. You follow Mark. Yes. Mark follows you. Yeah, Mark followed me and then I followed him. (laughs) We won't get into the detail, okay? It's not important. He asked you about this. Anyway, he is learning to drive. Okay, well then he needs to do a Sunday roast on himself. He should, I know. Now, in fairness to him, he lived in London for 10 years and when you're over there, you don't really need to know. tube. (laughs) He was tubing it. Yeah. So anyway, my point is, finally we're here. Finally. It's nice to be here. It's, well, thank you for being here because you are a new dad. So that's, it's a manic time. It is a manic time, but we can make time for everything. Uh, my wife, Jess, who's a genuine fan of the show. Oh, um, good. She could, she's so unorganized. 
and she? never able to work a calendar or, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot about that. So we set up a joint calendar when the week Bobby was born yeah. and you want to see her now. She is a pro at <laughs> hair in 10 to 11 and the 14th of November. It's unbelievable. So we have wor- managed to, you know, with a bit of notice, put something in and. Yeah. You're juggling it. Juggling. Ah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay. We sure are. Okay. Rob, are you ready to be asked these questions? Have you done the bit of homework? I've done the bit of homework. I'm still not really ready. Do you know what? I I was thinking a lot about the questions. Right. And then after about a day, I was like, feck it. Just first thing that comes into your head, just say it. Go with the flow. Go with the flow. Okay, great. Rob Carney, your first memory of laughter. Can you recall? I can recall. A lot of these now are are sort of centred around childhood, which... Good thing, bad thing, Good. I don't know. Uh, my parents were, were always very social, you know, so they would have had a lot of people over in the house for lunch parties and a few drinks going around. And, and my dad used to be a very good joke teller. He probably doesn't do it as much anymore, but he was had great jokes. And a lot of the times they were filthy enough jokes. And I remember he'd a load of people over for dinner or lunch one afternoon. It was 15 or 20 people around the table and he told one of his filthy jokes. And anyway, when it got to the punchline, I burst my whole laugh, just <laughs> went for it. And then everyone else started laughing at me because they clearly knew that I had no idea what the joke was about, but I was just enjoying the laughter of it all so much. So I reckon I must have been, I don't know, five or six. Yeah. But his his joke telling and laughter are two things that, that sort of come back in, in very early days. Talk to me then about life around your house when you were in around that age. Good fun. Were you put to work? I feel like you would have been put to work young. Do you know what? We, we actually weren't. Were you not? No, we weren't. And I, I grew up on, on a farm, yeah. uh, family farmers and fourth generation. And it would have been very common, you know, back then and probably still is very common on a lot, on a lot of farms that, you know, you grow up and you go out and you do your work. There was never really any sort of pressure put on us to get out and get our hands dirty. Were you mammied? No, we weren't mammied. We were just, well, I in particular was obsessed with sport. Okay, it's from the get-go. all I wanted to do from the get-go. And I'd finish one thing and I'd say, where are we going next? Finish Gaelic football, tennis, golf, swimming. I had to be entertained all day, every day. You know, I suppose in hindsight now, I'm unbelievably grateful that I wasn't put to work too much on the farm. And then there's other parts where, you know, I probably could have been given a boot up the backside to get out and do a bit of something. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's one thing to have the love for it, but you have to, I suppose, be in an environment and in a family that nurture it. Yeah, the, there is. And do you know what? I, I think both my parents were, they were always very somewhat adamant that they, they didn't necessarily want us to go down the route of farming. It's a tough industry. It's a tough job. And, you know, you're, you're tied to the farm seven days a week, all year round. And, you know, I look back on my childhood now and I'm very grateful, you know, that we weren't pushed into it. Of course, if if any of us took a real love for farming and working on the land, you know, they would only have been too delighted for, for someone to get more involved. But I think that, you know, the, the fact that there was never any pressure put on us in hindsight was was a nice thing. So is no one doing it? Well, you fast forward now 30 years and it's sort of... The awkward, not awkward, a little bit awkward conversation really? of what's going to happen, you know, so th- that has its its own challenges. Yeah. But, you know, as, as, a, as a family, we're, we're looking at different things to try and make the farm a little bit more sustainable or, you know, build it for the future that maybe someone doesn't have to be tied down to it all year round. Okay. But thankfully, Touchwood, mum and dad are both super healthy, you know, working away. 
So it's a conversation for <laughs> another time. Another time. <laughs> That's what we always say. Ah, we'll have it some other time. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, no, not, no. not today. We're enjoying our dinner. We'll have it another time. <laughs> okay, Rob, the first time you felt laughed at, can you recall? I can recall, and I'm not sure if this is, again, childhood, young primary school, and all the country people would know this. The Blessing of the Graves were on. Right. Sorry, um, now talk, talk me through that. Do you not know the Blessing of the Graves? I've heard of it. I just don't know the actual what happens. So it would be very much in rural Ireland. I don't know the date. Well, there is one date of the year, and the whole, the whole village, the peninsula, the wherever you're from, would go up to the graveyards and there'd be a big mass there where all the graves would be blessed. Right. Pretty, it says, does what it says in the tin, the blessing of the <laughs> of graves. The graves. Yeah, yeah, Come yeah. on now. Right, okay. okay. Um, so the graves get blessed. Yeah, right. But this, this was a big event. Yeah. You know, no one, no one stayed at home. Everyone got up to the graves. and you It were, was lit. It was, it was absolutely <laughs> lit. And the, the priest is outside. So the big microphone system and uh, AV and all, all of that sort of st- stuff set up. And the priest was going through his mass. And somewhere along the way, some young fella broke into the system back in the church and took the microphone and to... I don't know, it must have been three or 400 people, said, I am Rob and I am gay. Okay. Right. And the whole place went silent. And I sort of didn't think anything of it. Went into school the next day and the whole school was laughing at me. No. Yeah. So this okay. is, this is borderline bullying. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But that is one, one real memory that I was thinking, oh, no. no, this isn't nice. What age would you have been? Eight, nine, ten. It's funny how you look back and and these things just come to you quickly. Yeah. Um, the feeling. The, you, you, the you feeling get or, the, or the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So did you have a tough time in school in general or was this a, an isolated incident? Uh, I had a, a tricky enough time at school. Did you? I did, yeah. I don't know, for whatever reason. You know, some kids just get bullied at school. I have a real issue with it always did have a huge issue i think it's still an inherent problem within every schoolyard across our country and it's it's horrible it's not nice childhood was you know there was a lot of elements of of bullying in particularly in primary school maybe from i don't know seven or eight to 12 or 13 i was very lucky i was going away to boarding school um, in Clongrels and Kildare. So that was always something that was... You were looking forward really to? Really looking forward to really? and driving me on. Now, I, again, I was very lucky because I played so much sport. I was going to say, you, uh, like an awful assumption I make is that if someone is really good at sport, particularly a boy, you're just not necessarily going to be bullied. I know, yeah. And I was very lucky that I had the sport because I was better than everyone else in my primary school at it mm. and maybe that was a, another reason why I wanted to play so much sport because when I was on a field or doing something that involved a ball of any sort I was at my happiest yeah there's great things that come from sport and and it was something that that really got me through a couple of tricky years in primary school I, I hate hearing that yeah but geez, it still happens yeah you know, it, it yeah. really does and how would you deal with that as a dad now do you think I don't know. I, I never said a word to my parents. Did you not? No, completely bottled it up because you, you don't want to, you know, as kids, you don't think rationally. You think you're going to be burdening, burdening them w- with something. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. If, I, if it happened now. <laughs> You'd be in the yard. It's a different story. <laughs> I'd be locked up. 
and was it then, did it change then when you did go to Clongos? Did things improve? Were you happier there? Yeah, I loved it there. Did you? Really happy there. Again, sport was on my doorstep all day, every day. It was a fresh start, made new friends. You leave all your baggage of your childhood behind you. Now, I, listen, I genuinely still... When I think back of my chi- childhood, I was very happy. Yeah. I'm not sort of portraying out that I was an unhappy child. Mm-hmm. There was just little elements of bullying throughout it. But as a whole, my childhood was amazing. Okay, Rob, the moment when, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Can you can you recall? Again, th- this is a more recent one. First child, new nursery, nothing else matters. Okay? <laughs> you are just prepping that nursery for the arrival of your, your firstborn. Mm-hmm. New carpets, new wardrobe, new crib, everything. Stunning. And Jess knows. Stunning. It, she it, knows her stuff. She knows. Well, <laughs> I have a big hand to play oh, in sorry. too, okay? Sorry, you see, sorry. there you go, always thinking the girl did it. <laughs> anyway, Bobby was home, I'd say, a week or two, changing his nappies. I changed a few nappies in my time, but I'm only just you starting. Definitely starting I, getting, I don't believe that. I'm only just starting getting into it now. So lifted the two legs up. <laughs> slid the nappy underneath and there was this explosion <laughs> and like I genuinely mean this went everywhere all over the walls the wallpaper the carpet <laughs> all over his clothes his crib <laughs> I don't know how a two week year old boy could produce this much shit <laughs> at such a projectile distance across the room the speed um, <laughs> and we put so much love and effort into his nursery and then for two weeks later, for him to abuse it like that, <laughs> it was one of those moments where I think if you didn't laugh, you could. <laughs> I love it. And I'm sure like it might be a very obvious question to ask, but like in the midst of all of this, you do hear new dads being like, holy shit, what women go through is bananas. Have you had those moments? I have them every day. Do you? Genuinely, I really do. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky enough that for the last 10 weeks or so, I've been able to spend a fair bit of time with him, you know, sometimes during the week. You spend three or four hours with him in one period of time. Yeah. And Jess comes home and I'm spiraling him (laughs) through the window back into her arms. Uh, (laughs) Women are incredible. You have an enormous sense of appreciation after the whole birth process. Yeah. But then, you know, the, the week's going after that is it's phenomenal and you know respect for women when you become a parent goes through the roof I was thinking about you a lot when I was watching you doing the rugby coverage because that was very I mean it's coincided beautifully with the baby arriving and you were you seemed on the exterior cool calm collected has that been or was that a stressful time over the past couple of weeks? Uh, it, it was. Bobby is 10 weeks old and the World Cup started nine weeks ago. Perfect. <laughs> so timing was impeccable. Impeccable. You just managed to get through it. Yeah. Jess, obviously, hugely understanding of, of the work that I do in TV. And, and we always knew that the World Cup was going to be on. So she had a, a fair idea that, that it was coming around. Now nah, she, she's been great. And you, listen, you adapt to all these things. Yeah, too. exactly. You know, once you just make sure that everyone's getting enough sleep. Yeah, and do a joint calendar. And do a joint calendar. How did you find the past 10 weeks or nine weeks? All the, doing the coverage, your comments on Ireland, talk to me about it. How do you feel now? 
that it's all kind of wound up. I'm glad it's finished. It's a long time. Yeah. And the Rugby World Cup is sort of different to other sporting competitions because players need six or seven days recovery in between each match. You yeah. Know, in a soccer, you can go three or four days, but rugby players need an awful lot more time to recover because of what happens on the field in terms of collisions and all of that. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's hard not to be very, very disappointed for this Irish team. One side of me says they deserve more and then the other side says, well, you know, it comes down to 80 minutes on a day and you just get what you deserve from what happened on the field at that time. Yeah. You know, I think when the draw came out, we always knew that the quarterfinal was going to be the make or break in this competition. And we always knew it was going to be a toss of a coin. We probably didn't realise it was going to come down to such fine, small margins, but... You know, that's sport and that's why we love it because it is so unpredictable. And sometimes your team comes out on the right side of it and sometimes your team doesn't. Donica says um, he doesn't miss any of it at all. Um, He's a liar. I, he has to be a liar. I th- I think he is a liar. He's like, no, I love the fact that because when, you, when you're in it, when the weekend is approaching, you're like, the weekends are the worst because obviously that's when you're playing and you're nervous or whatever. He's like, loves being a cozy hole, like just doing and nice that he swing. is. <laughs> complete cozy hole do you miss it do you miss elements of it how do you feel about it no I I definitely miss elements of it yeah as a whole I don't miss it Mm. you know I was absolutely blessed and so lucky to be able to do it for 18 years professionally so I started when I was 18 going on 19 and retired when I was 35 36 so that is a long long career physically my body is somewhat pretty good coming out of it I can still do all the things that I want to do and you know when when I was finishing up I wasn't the same player as I was in my prime obviously Mm -hmm. but that gets really frustrating because your mind and everything is is better you're working quicker you can see things so mentally you're so much sharper but physically you're not and then you know that that's hard to do when you go out in the field and you just can't do what you used to be able to do Mm -hmm. listen there's times when I look on and I look at the lads standing singing the national anthem, you know, to 50, 60,000 crazy Irish supporters. Unbelievable. I will always miss that. Yeah. After big games, when they've had a big win and, you know, they're walking around doing a lap of honour, you miss that. And then you think about the moments when they go into the change room and they have a beer and they're sitting there absolutely bollocks, their bodies and bits, but you know you've put in an unbelievable shift for your country and you've come out the right side and you've won and you have a beer, bliss. Yeah. So there's always moments that... But I it's easy miss. to remember those bits. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, but again, you gotta, got to look back and say, aren't I so lucky I was able to do that for so long mm-hmm. instead of holding any sort of bitterness or resentment about not being able to do those things anymore. Okay, Rob, your no laughing matter moment in life, time where there was... No room for laughter. I look back on, I suppose, my career from a rugby perspective. And like I said, I was able to do it for so long. There's highs and lows along that journey. Mm -hmm. And the highs are amazing. When you're winning trophies, life couldn't be any better. But then there's some lows in there that are tough. You know, you go through injury where you're out for a long period of time. Or your form is not good. And I went through periods, I remember distinctively one in... 2016, where my body wasn't great. It was breaking down. It's sore ankle, sore knee. My form wasn't particularly good. And generally, they go hand in hand. If you're not physically really good, you're not going to play particularly well on the field. But then I started getting a lot of shit from public newspapers, press. And it all sort of can weigh down on you an awful lot because you don't have 
it can be very lonely. You don't have anyone else to turn to. You can speak to your family, but they tell you, I know you're great. You still have it. And your coaches is in such a high pressured moment that they can't take time out just to deal with your own individual issues. Yeah. You know, they say to you, well, if you can't get yourself right, I'm going to pick someone else who's ready to go. So a lot of the time it's just you and your own thoughts and that inner voice versus outer voice. And, you know, so there was an awful lot of tricky periods during my career when at times it, it, it would get close to a little too much. But then again, you know, it's, there's moments when I'd be so proud of myself for able to come out of them and come back with a good performance and and produce produce what you know you're able to do. But there was definitely times during my rugby career when no room no for laughter. La- no room for laughter. It's really hard, and and also when it's so public. I would I would sometimes say that if I get you know <laughs> if I get criticised you know in the media or whatever, I kind of try to if I talk to my friends about it and say like and they would say. If they fuck up on their job, you know, it's, it might be embarrassing for them. They're embarrassed in front of their boss, but it's not public. It's the fact that the media are thrown in the mix and it feels like everyone's looking at you. That can feel like an extra weight. Yeah, it is an extra weight. And and listen, we have to, you've got to be somewhat prepared for that too. If of you course. want to go into a line of work that has that public element to it, yeah. you, you're never going to escape the judgment or the scrutiny so there is elements of that too it can be challenging at times and you know sometimes you know you open up a newspaper on a monday morning and they give you a rating out of 10 you know what's the lowest you ever got Uh, i'm sure i got a few threes or fours in my time (laughs) um but it's it's really difficult to to look at a number and the work the blood the sweat the tear everything you've put into you know, maybe a week before and that game on a Saturday when you wake up Sunday, you're in bits. You mightn't have had the best game, but you still tried your very hardest. Mm-hmm. And then you get a three or a four. It's demeaning. Soul destroying. But again, back to back to our initial point that that's part and parcel sometimes of, of, of the line of work that we choose. Okay, Rob, the person that you always laugh with, can you tell us, fill us in? Oh, it has to be my wife, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. He's a romantic. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I'm brought back to to COVID times. Yeah. And, okay, you're locked up in house for a long time. Yeah. And we actually spent... Oh, my God. I was actually going to ask you about this. A couple of weeks together in quarantine in Australia. Like... Sorry, what was it again? You were going over to play. So I was going over to play in Australia. Yes. Obviously, uh, Australia was in complete lockdown. Yeah. So anyone who's managed to get uh, access to travel into the country was shipped straight from the airport in a bus to a hotel and you were locked away in a room for 14 days. It's When you actually think about it now, it is so bananas. Bananas. We'd no window. So yeah, and there was all this, like, because I remember hearing all these talks of like, it's look at the draw, whether you get a balcony or a window or not, or all this stuff. So you well, know. We didn't fucking look out, I can tell you that. <laughs> That's for sure. So, okay. So talk to me about this. So I was following, I'm sorry, no, Rob, but I was following Jess. I wasn't following you at the time. And I was watching, sure. <laughs> <laughs> creeping on the stories. And oh my God, the Insta stories, for anyone who missed them, she, like, Jess gives off this ray of positive light. She really does on social media. And oh my God, the way that she dealt with that quarantine. So you guys were in there for, for 14 days. Obviously you can tell us about it, but she did, at one stage she did something like a 20 kilometer run in the room. Uh, she lost her mind. She 
She did. Now, she still managed to hold this uber uh, positivity to it, but she did lose her mind. Anyone who runs 15 or 20K in a hotel room is not. She went from the door around the bed to the window and back, yeah, like whatever many like times. Six meters in width. And how did she do that? I don't know. But you do the strangest things in there. Tell us about it. Okay, behind the eyes of social media, what was it actually like? I actually, bizarrely, it's going to sound really weird. I kind of enjoyed it. Did you? Yeah, I did. Because I'm never in my life, touch wood, going to be back in a position like that again. Yeah. Where you're a prisoner, effectively. Okay, you couldn't leave the room. Your door, your food comes to your door. They knock on your door. You have to wait 10 seconds before you can open the door. But it was kind of just a mental challenge to it. Yeah. Day 9, 10 were grim. Yeah, that's like the wall of the marathon, really. Day 14 was horrific because you think you're getting out on day 14, but you're not because you have to do 14 full days. No. So you don't really get out until day 15. And we only realized this on day 13. <laughs> No. So there was just setback after setback. Well, there wasn't loads of setbacks, but yeah, but no, mentally they are setbacks. Mentally, that was that was grim. It's like if you're in the gym and someone says to you, "Okay, you're doing twelve reps," and then by the eleventh, they're like, "You're going for 15 You're like, "I actually can't," because mentally you've set yourself up <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, that, that is true. Do you know? What, is that a good <laughs> kind of? Although twenty four hours in a room is different to one more rep in the that's, gym. To me, that's my Everest doing reps in the gym. Oh my God. Um, but you survived it. We survived it. And did we you have d- fights? We didn't, surely. Honestly, we didn't have one argument. And we weren't married at this stage. Right, um, so it was a big test. And I always think, before you're going to get married now, go and do two weeks in quarantine together and no, see you're how grand. you get on. <laughs> no, you're fine. I absolutely would not do that voluntarily. But there was no fights and there was a lot of laughter. And even back in lockdown in Ireland, you can bicker a lot. Yeah. But we always manage to somehow turn it around and have a few laughs, which is important. Rob, a time where you had the last laugh, can you recall? I can. Again, back to my childhood, I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a terrier as a child. I wasn't, I was, no, I wasn't great. I gave my mother an awful hard time. Did you? Yeah, I did. She forgive me. She, did. <laughs> she still loves me. She does. Um, but yeah, I was, I was a terrier. And I, again, back to this thing of sport, I always needed to be busy doing things. And I had training one day, probably my third or fourth different sport of the day. And typical mammy, typical Irish mammy, loves to chat. Would chat all day long to her right. friends on the phone. And the old school phones had the wire on them. Yeah. And I was pulled her mum, need to go to training. Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. Went back a few minutes later, I need to go to training. Oh, would you be quiet? We can go in a few minutes. Went back again. I need, if we don't go to training now, something's going to happen. So she made the mistake of waiting me a few more minutes. And she was in the conservatory, very fancy that day. Oh, wow. She was pruning the, I don't know, whatever you call Jeez, it. The, the glamour. The leaves or the ivy or something. <laughs> so I saw the scissors. Oh, God. And went in and clipped the wire on the phone. Oh, thank God. I didn't know what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on. You clipped the, you so clipped clipped the wire. the scissors. Phone call ended. Conversation over. Training. Now let's go. Sorry. So in many ways, I feel as if I got the last That's laugh. not a last <laughs> Sorry. That is the last laugh. That is laugh. not a last laugh. Why? That's just you being an absolute brat. Yeah, but I this- laughed. <laughs> 
is you I think you've misunderstood the question but but it's fine sorry I laughed at the end she wasn't <laughs> laughing I was laughing I won she lost I the last laugh but bottom line this is my show not yours <laughs> it wasn't clever it was just bold oh god okay we'll have to accept it it's okay. definitely the boldest answer we've had to that question okay Rob if laughter wasn't the best medicine what would be exercise rugby <laughs> No, it certainly wouldn't. <laughs> Need to keep this answer somewhat PC. Oh um, God! Oh. oh wow! Okay. Do you know what? I think it's hard to beat a good pint of Guinness <laughs> in your local pub yeah. in a snug. Yeah. Sucker for a snug. I don't know why. Are you? Um, but yeah, I mean, very nostalgic about Guinness as Irish people, aren't we? Yes. Oh, Guinness will cure you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a bad day. Oh, have a Guinness. You'll be grand. Do you love, do you love a good pint? Okay. Uh, I do love a good pint. Does but it... I've sort of, when, when I was playing, you wouldn't drink all that much. But when you did, boy, did you go for it. Yeah. You know, you properly went for it. So you were probably all lightweights, really. Speak for yourself. We were not. <laughs> The more drink, the merrier. Is it is it more enjoyable now in retirement? Because you don't have that kind of little bit of guilt. Yeah. yeah. No, of course it's more enjoyable. But I much prefer now going for three or four. Yeah, okay. And maybe do it a couple of nights a week as yeah. opposed to not drinking for a month and absolutely blowing the doors off it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's well known that you're in the business of pub ownership. I'm a publican, yes. You're a publican. Kind of. And like, but like there's not only that, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different pies you have your finger in, business-wise. Like. <laughs> like. That's, you know, is that something that was bred into you from a young age or was it something that, you know, with retirement looming or planning for retirement down the road? Because obviously everyone knows a rugby career isn't going to last longer than maybe mid-30s. What was the forward planning that went on there and how did you decide to go down that route? It was it was a bit of both. I was I wasn't I wasn't silly stupid at school, but I wasn't super smart either. Okay. But my mum was unbelievably gun ho, you will go to college. I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna play rugby. No, 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 no. So I went to college. I I got a professional contract pretty much the year after I left school. So I was nineteen and she was gun ho going to college. So I went to college, didn't particularly enjoy it. But I got through, I got my degree. And then I was 23 or 24 and I got a really bad knee injury. So I was out for a full year. So I thought, well, I need to do something with my time. So then I went and did an MBA in business. So more just to fill the time and for at the end of the year to be able to show that I had something for it. Mm -hmm. So I did that when I was 23, 24. And then after that, I sort of thought that, okay, well, I've got my qualifications and need to now try and put them in use and do something with them. I was always quite forward thinking, knowing that rugby was going to come to an end someday. Mm -hmm. And to make sure that I had as many different options as I could to, to go into after. I consider myself very lucky that along the way, I got to meet lots of different people who were interested or were experts in their own different field. Yeah. You know, so to take the pubs, for example, I became friendly with Noel Anderson about 10 years ago. He was an absolute 
expert publican, like knows the trade inside out. Started having a few conversations. Oh, I'd love to have a pub. So now, would you go? Yeah. And that's how all these things chat. Right. Uh, or uh, how they happen. Mm. And then that started on, and we're really lucky now. We've we've got four pubs. They're all doing great. But Noel is still the driving force behind them. Am I involved operationally? No, not really. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's why you partner with with really good people who know um, what they're doing. Exactly. Okay, Rob, are you ready for your quick fire round? Sort of. <laughs> You're, you're acting as though you're not prepared, but these answers have been excellent. Stop it. Stop. I'm <laughs> blushing. Okay, Rob, the actor that you always laugh at. I love Will Ferrell. I will say they do not make comedy movies like they used to. They don't. No. Do you know what? You're dead right. Um, the actress that always makes you laugh. Amy Schumer. She right. is hilarious. Okay, the movie you always laugh at, Rob. Dumb and Dumber. I love that movie. I'd say I've watched it 15, 20 times. Happy Gilmore is another one ah, that yeah. I love too. Classic. Your favourite comedian? Comedian you always laugh out loud at? Jim Jeffries, the Aussie guy. Oh yeah. Do you know him? Yeah. Did you watch him when you were in quarantine? No, it didn't actually, but he came to the Three <laughs> Arena last year and I went to him and I never laughed so much. Okay. And I don't think it's something we do enough is go to comedy. Yeah. Actually go and watch it. Yeah. It, it is the best medicine. All right. So, Sorry, I'm, ste- <laughs> I'm, ste- I'm stealing your lines. <laughs> and finally, Rob Carney, your best or worst joke? Knock, knock. Who's there? The interrupting cow. The interrupting cow. <laughs> He's a farmer's son. He's a farmer's son. Rob Carney, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we could finally make it work. We had our flat tire. We then had a change of venue today, which you're here. And I'm so delighted. And thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life. Thank you for having me on. And best and continued success with this wonderful podcast. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life with Rob Carney. I really hope you enjoyed today's show. And don't forget to like and subscribe and rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And this season of The Laughs of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Tesco.